But today I want to talk about something that when you are belonging to God, that there are times that trouble comes. Okay? Trouble comes. You know, when, when uh, six years ago when the doctor said, you have cancer, you know, I was devastated. And I was, I was just crushed. But you know what? Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. And you know, once you get over the shock, you know, your, your default setting in the Spirit is to go to the Word of God and find out what God has to say about it. Now, the cancer was a reality, but the promises of God are a reality as well. And I want to talk today about the power of promises for troubled hearts. And, and so, in that vein, let us read the text. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, or the old translation says many mansions, but the whole idea here is that there's a grand estate, God's estate, and in grand estates there are apartments where people live. You know, it's one big house, it's God's house, but he has an apartment, a place for us where we can dwell. And, and so it's a wonderful thing to be thinking about a mansion in heaven that God has prepared for us to dwell in. Jesus said there's many mansions. Uh, if it were not so, I would have told you because I am going there to prepare a place for you, for you. Those who believe in him. I'm speaking to the apostles, to his disciples, before his arrest and before his uh, false conviction and before his crucifixion his passion, and before his burial and resurrection. But Jesus sees beyond the reality of what is before him. Did you hear that? Jesus saw beyond the reality that was before him. Okay? I had cancer, but once I got over the shock of it, I began to revert back to the Word of God, and I have the power of God's promises where I can also see beyond my current reality. And then no matter what happens, I'm good. I'm good. Because I have a place prepared for me that where Jesus is, I will be also. And that's what he tells them. He says, I've told you because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, listen to this. Say it with me. I am coming again. I'm coming again. He promised that he would return. You know, no matter how bad life gets in our country, and we are on a downward slippery slope, um, America is passing into moral oblivion, and, and no matter how bad it gets, we have the hope, the people of God, of the coming of Christ, where he will establish a kingdom in where righteousness dwells, that he is coming again. We have that hope within us. And I will take you, uh, to where I am going myself. Not, not send an angel, but he will take us himself so that where I am, there you also will be. And you know the way that where I'm going. Thomas said to him, wait a minute, Lord, hold on. We don't know where you're going, and how are we going to know the way? You know, he was a little perturbed, that Thomas guy. You know, you know what? I think I would like Thomas. I think I would like Peter. I, I, I'm like Peter in a lot of ways. I put my big foot in my mouth so many times. And I know that I'm always right. You know, my hand goes up. God, I know the answer. And sometimes that's just not true, is it? 
But, you know, I like somebody with that kind of boldness and confidence, and I like Thomas for just having the courage to say what the others were thinking. You know, sometimes somebody says something that other people are thinking, and then when they get ridiculed for it, they say, well, see how dumb he was? You know, well, you were thinking the same thing. And as far as Peter goes, you remember Peter, he was the one when he saw Jesus walking in the water and the others were afraid, it's a ghost, and Peter called out and Jesus said, come out, Peter. Peter was the one who got out of the boat and walked, but the other, when he sunk, the other one, and we criticized Peter. Well, Peter had, at least had the faith to get out of the boat. Amen? And so, you know, there are times, you know, Thomas saying we don't know that. Jesus just said to him, he didn't rebuke him, he just said, you know, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So there's hope given in this promise. Now, we have hope beyond the grave when we are trusting in Christ as Savior, when we have repented of our sins and are born again. That's a fact. That is, that is a fact. You can write it down. You can take it to the bank. I'm telling you, it is true. Every bit of it is true. But, you know, there are times beyond facing eternity, and this is a very popular funeral text that we use, that I've used uh, several times, and it's always appropriate there. But it's also appropriate to tell the people of God who aren't necessarily facing imminent death right now to not let your heart be troubled with the trouble that we face in this life. And Jesus did warn his disciples that you will have trouble in this life in just a chapter or two later. We have problems. Sometimes tough times come. Sometimes we are overwhelmed and blindsided by the tough things that happen to us. The things that happen to us are very difficult. Whether it's a loved one who died and you're not certain about their eternity, that's very troubling. You know, we can have uh, problems associated with many things in this life, but don't let, notice that Jesus said, do not let, which indicates to me that we have the power to either let or not let our hearts to become troubled during troubled times. And as I said, I was troubled, but got over the shock. God's word is true, and I turned to the word of God and what God said. And so uh, here we go. I'm going to talk about uh, three different things today. I'm going to talk about a promise of peace in times of anxiety. And Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You know, I also like <clears throat> um, uh, that in John chapter 14, 25 through 27, and where Jesus comes back after these words, some things transpire, and Jesus said that I've told you these things while I'm still with you. In other words, I'm going away. I'm going to die. He was preparing them for his impending death. And he gives them the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come. He's, he's going to be uh, your advocate, your comforter, your intercessor, your counselor, your strengthener, your standby. That's The Holy Spirit is our paraclete, which means helper. But all these things combined with it. Have you ever gone through really hard times like I have and found out that the Holy Spirit is an ever-present help in a time of need? That he brings peace and comfort during times when other people are going like he crazy because he doesn't seem to be bothered by the news. Amen. That's the Holy Spirit helping us. He says, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, and this is the amplified version, he says, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. Jesus is our Savior. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, is, is our helper. He's the representative of Jesus. And he will teach you all things. What do we need to be taught? Boy, we need to be taught a lot of things. 
Uh, it's amazing. When I first started Bible college, uh, when I was in my, I believe, my late 20s, and, and I went there thinking, I don't need to go. They're not going to teach me anything I don't already know. I'm just going to go and get my diploma. And I have to get, go through Bible college to get the diploma. So, you know, I don't need... You know, it was the, probably the beginning of the second week that all of a sudden I sat there and realized how stupid I was. It's like, man, you are the dumbest person on the planet. You don't know what you don't know. But sometimes we get puffed up in pride. We think we have all the answers. But can I tell you something? Uh, you know, that's okay, but you'll find out just like I did that you don't have the answers and that you need the Holy Spirit to teach you. You need the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into all truth. He's the one that's going to lead you to heaven that he promised you, but we need him in the meantime to help us through this life. Jesus said that I'm going to give you, listen, verse 27, it's on the screen up here, peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you the courage and the strength for every challenge. So Jesus is talking here, and he's talking about when he used this word troubled in both of these verses in the, in the text. And Jesus, basically, as he's speaking this, let not your heart be troubled. The word for troubled in the Greek is tereso, a word named, uh, called tereso, and it's used in various places in the New Testament to mean, uh, listen to this, to shake, to trouble, to disquiet, to unsettle, to perplex, to cause anxiety, and even to cause feelings of grief. That is a good definition of troubled. And I have been there before. How many would say, I've been there before, Pastor? But how many would say that the Holy Spirit was there to help us through those troubled times? Basically, Rick Renner says, it's the picture of someone feeling inwardly shaken, unsettled, confused, and upset. And if you've ever felt that way, you know exactly what I mean, he says. And so these oftentimes our troubling emotions begin to work into our soul and it begins to cause fear. And that's why he also says, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, because fear is a tormentor. Can I tell you too that fear is an exaggerator of things that aren't really maybe as bad as we can imagine them. And what the enemy loves to do with this is there is a demonic spirit of fear that operates and, 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 and purpose is, is to cause us to be fearful instead of being full of faith. Because fear is the opposite of faith. When we have faith, we call on God with confidence, knowing that He hears us and that He will answer us. That He is aware of us. That He's aware of the dire circumstances that we were blindsided by, but God was aware of them because He's already been in your tomorrow. He knows. We don't know what we don't know, but he's there and he knows. And when we belong to him, he comforts us, he calms us, he fills us with his peace, he allows us to be led <coughs> excuse me, by the Spirit of God 
through the difficulty that we are finding ourselves in. And that's what it is. God doesn't want us to be operating in the spirit or operated by the spirit of fear. The word of uh, fear comes from a word called delios in the Greek, the Koine Greek in which the uh, New Testament was written in. And it depicts a gripping fear or dread that produces a shrinking back or cowardice. And God has not called us to be fearful. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul tells Timothy, who had a tendency to be fearful and be troubled, he said, listen, Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And not just a sound mind, a sane mind, but a calm mind. You know what people do when they're in fear? Oftentimes they overreact. They knee-jerk react, and that causes complications even more so Uh, to the situation because oftentimes when we are not in our right mind because we are troubled by fear is that we overreact. And the whole thing about trouble, when we have trouble in our heart and trouble in our mind and our soul, is it causes us to not think clearly and to forget, say forget, forget the promises of God, that God has not called us to be driven by fear and controlled by fear. You know, uh, you know, if we go back just a, a chapter here from our text in John chapter 14, we go back to 13, that we find the disciples with Jesus in the upper room, and, uh, you know, uh, they've come there for the feast of Passover, and as they arrive in that, there's a lesson that Jesus gives them in uh, servant leadership by the washing of their feet. And John chapter 13, verse 14, Jesus, so, the, so Jesus told them after he washed their feet, and it says, so if I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And verse 15 says, for I gave you an example so that you would do just as I did. And so as they share the evening together, Jesus begins to reveal to them uh, about the troubled times ahead, that there's tough times coming. I don't know about you, I also have in prayer, um, have uh, Christ uh, through the Holy Spirit, his representative on earth to me uh, and to you, that he has forewarned me sometimes of uh, something coming up, you know, that you don't know really what it is, but you're feeling, ah, something's going to happen, you know, and uh, the world would call that, you know, you know, Twilight Zone stuff, Uh, and it's not. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a counterfeit spirit that tries to do the same thing, but can I tell you the devil is not omniscient, not omnipotent, you know, and he's not omnipresent, but the devil can stick his nose in the air and begin to sniff and feel and smell that something's going to happen. It's almost like uh, in, in in a drought, and you're praying for rain, and the rain starts coming, And it's off in the distance, it's not here yet, but you can smell the freshness of the rain that is on its way. And I think the enemy sometimes sniffs the air and thinks something's coming along. You know, uh, I don't think it's uh, unusual um, or hard to believe that uh, this church leadership has been under under attack lately from the enemy. And and we remember... uh, in the midst of it, when we're blindsided by things, let not your heart be troubled. Get on your default setting and revert to the promises of the Word of God. And there's been under attack. You know, there's, there's things that, uh, that have happened that 
that you'd be surprised at, but God has seen us through those things. God will, listen, God will see us through everything. I, I'm thankful that we have a board that when trouble comes, that they turn to prayer. And oftentimes they'll ask me, Pastor, can you let the prayer team know so that they can be praying? You know, that goes without saying because we need intercessors. Trouble comes, turn to the Lord. When trouble comes and you're sensing something in the spirit, as I have over the years different times, I feel like the enemy's up to something and I don't know what it is, but I just feel it, I know it, I know it. And what do I do? I go to the prayer team and I, you know, oftentimes I'd go to Nick over the years from the time I came here. Nick, are you sensing something? And pastor, not yet, but I'm going to pray. And sometimes he comes to me, would come to me and say, I'm sensing like something's up, the devil's up to something. Well, what do we do? Do we sit around and wring our hands in fear? No, we begin to pray. We begin to cry out to God. You know, when you feel like you sense, because the Holy Spirit can give us an alert, that trouble's coming, he's not revealing it to us because he wants us to cower in fear and sit around and anticipate what's going to happen. Oh, what are we going to do? He wants us to pray. And when you sense trouble, you begin to pray. I can tell you way back when, uh, many, many years ago, that uh, one of our daughters, you know, she got mad, um, turned 18, and you know, you know when you're 18, you know everything, right? You suddenly, you just know everything, you know? And uh, she got mad, and she stormed off to one of her friend's apartments, and, you know, she was going to go spend the night with her, and, and uh, Donna, mom, got so uneasy in her spirit. And of course, I had to get up really early, and I, I was just so tired, and I went into bed, and and she didn't come to bed. And when she did come to bed, she wasn't sleeping. She was troubled. Troubled. And some of your moms, maybe some of your dads do that, but it just seems like women are more intuitive, you know, about things like that. And she began to pray and began to intercede and pray, God, you know, let her friends disappoint her and send her home. Lord, bring her home tonight. Not tomorrow, but tonight. And you know what? She lay there and pray, and all of a sudden, I think it was about 11 or 11.15, I don't remember what it was, 11.30 maybe, uh, we heard the door open, the front door. How many know God answers prayer? The front door came in, and my wife got up and said, you know, what's going on? What do you, I thought you were spending the night with Mickey. And she said, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Went into her room and shut the door. She was mad. But we found out that God had answered prayer. And she was disappointed, felt rejected, but she came home. See, God answers prayer. The enemy likes to stir us up and crank us up, doesn't he? Wind us up so that we run around like a little toy that he wants to play with. And he wants to play with your emotions when trouble comes. He doesn't always cause the trouble. Trouble comes because we live in a fallen world sometimes. Right? We're, how many know we're not in heaven yet? Okay, so in this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. And so tough times are going to come. And, and uh, you know, sometimes we get warned about it. Other times we get broadsided by it. Sometimes we get broadsided because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. And we're, you know, kind of turning a deaf ear to his warnings. You know, just as, uh, as he would have warned them against, uh, you know, what's coming later, um, he would warn them. Also, to remember, you know, when things come like this, John 15, verse 20 says, remember. Starts off with that word. 
And I, I just, every time I see that in the scripture, it, 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 I never get over it. It's like, oh, he put that in there for me. Because I tend to forget what I need to remember. Are you like that? You know, I need to, you know, sometimes I meet people today in, in church visiting and talk to a couple couples today, and I, and I said, uh, you've been here before? Oh, yeah, you talked to me last week or it was our first week. And, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I can't remember names. Like, so they introduced me to names, and I go, okay, um, how can I remember that? I forget. Forgive me, I forget, okay? Uh, and, and, but he says, remember what does he want us to remember? Look what he says in, first, in, in John chapter 15, verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. And I think that is key. Remember the word. In times of trouble, remember the word. And Jesus said, I spoke it to you. Remember that a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. If they followed my word, they would follow yours also. And Jesus revealed to them that one of the 12, his closest inner circle, was also going to betray them. He told them that before it happened. Actually told it while it was happening in process. The Holy Spirit revealed that to Jesus by word of knowledge. And when Jesus said these things, John 13, 21, uh, he became troubled. You know that? You say, Jesus got troubled? You know, the Word says that Jesus was tempted in all like manner as we, yet without sin. He was troubled in his spirit. In fact, there's a place where it says he groaned. And inside, just deep in his innermost part of him, he groaned. He became troubled in spirit. And he testified and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. He, God, it hurts. Have you ever been betrayed by a friend or a loved one that you thought you could count on? You thought they would, you know, if it came time to die, they'd die with you if necessary. They were right by your side, and then they betray you. I've been betrayed, and it hurts. Jesus was betrayed. He became troubled in his spirit. Uh, he also revealed, uh, you know, at the end of the supper, you know, that uh, at the end, uh, after if I was going out, that Peter would deny him because Peter comes up to him in John 14, 37, and he says this. He says, Lord, uh, uh, he was, Jesus, I'm going to leave. He's going off to pray. Why can't I follow you right now? And, and I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus replied back to him, will you lay down your life for me, Peter? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. And that came to pass as well. I think most of us, if not all of us, who love Jesus, who love Jesus and are saved, were filled with his Holy Spirit, but there have been times when we have been troubled, troubling times that challenge our faith. It tests us to find out what we're really made of. And, and there's times with when we are having thoughts of doubt and fear, and at times, maybe, that we even deny him. How do you deny the Lord? Peter overtly denied the Lord when they challenged him during the trial of Jesus and said, you're one of them, aren't you? You're a follower of this man. And Peter's like, he got scared, fearful. He got blindsided. He didn't think anybody was going to confront him or notice him. And he said, I don't know the man. And yet he denied him just as Jesus said, 
And what Peter do, he went out and wept bitterly. How do we, how do we deny the Lord in so many ways? I think one of the biggest ways the people of God who love Jesus deny the Lord is when we go through a troubled time and we forget to pray. When we deny Him, when we go out and try to fix it all by ourselves in our human wisdom, right? When we go out and try to uh, come up with ideas instead of praying and asking God to help us. People with troubled hearts often make wrong decisions in the season of hopelessness. And I say a season of hopelessness, you know, we are not called to hopelessness, but to the, we serve the God of all hope. But sometimes dire circumstances cause us to feel hopeless for a season. That's when we hit bottom, and that's when we need to look up. Because we do have the promise of hope in times of trouble. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would told you, I go to prepare a place for you. We have hope beyond the grave. When we believe and trust in God during our perilous times, we are filled with hope that transcends the situation of our current circumstances. I was blindsided one day when my sister called me several years ago from Kansas City, Liberty, Missouri, actually, and she called to tell me. And she said, uh, Tim, uh, they just ran some, some numbers, uh, you know, medical tests on mom, and she has lung cancer. You know, just a, a little time before that, you know, they thought, oh, it's fine, everything's fine, everything's clear sailing. But when they said that, and I was on the phone, and my sister was waiting for me to say something, and I couldn't speak because there was this huge lump in my throat. And I couldn't get the words out, and I wasn't going to cry on the phone. And so she was silent, I was silent. It's like when the radio goes silent, you know, silence is not golden when the radio is not playing, right? And I, I just, and I, all these things going through my mind is I have been with people who have died of lung cancer. And, and some of them were in horrible pain. And I thought about my dear mother and God, I don't want to see her like that's a terrible way to go. And I had to hang up. And then I had to weep and to cry. And I'm not somebody who cries easily. And I, I wept and I sobbed and I said, God, oh God. And you know what happened? Just like Jesus said, in my weeping and my crying out to God, all of a sudden, it was like peace just began to roll in. The calm that comes from the Holy Spirit. The troubling news that I heard that troubled me deep in my spirit. Suddenly, the peace of God. Now, it didn't deny the reality that this is what it is. But in the midst of troubling times, peace comes in. The peace of God that calms and keeps our mind sane, keeps our mind from going in a hundred different directions. See, like that. There's a time several years ago when my wife had some medical issues and, and ended up in the hospital because uh, they said she'd had a, uh, sometime in the past, had a stroke. There was damage in part of her brain and uh, that indicated that, and we didn't know that. And, but she was having other difficulties with movement, and we were concerned that it was a stroke, and ended up, no, it's not a stroke. Um, you know, that MRI, that showed up last time, and so that's not new. 
And so we began to look at something else in the brain and sent us to, a long story short, to a neurologist. And the neurologist, very fine man, very, very capable. He was German, uh, his German name anyway. And, and uh, he had emotions that ran like this. I'm not sure they even waved at all. I think they were like flatline, you know. And, uh, but I could tell he was a very compassionate, kind man nonetheless. And I ran the test, ran MRI, and uh, when we visited with him, he said, I'm 99% sure that your wife has MS. And the news hit us like a ton of bricks. And so we went home very sad. And as we sat in our chairs in the living room in silence, I, I noticed Donna kind of staring, and, and I went over to her and I said, Honey, you know that no matter what the news is, that you're not alone. You're not alone. God is with us, and I'll be there. Your kids will be there. You know, you're not alone. And, you know, so we comforted one another. And uh, one MRI left to prove what he was 99% sure. Had the MRI, went into his office for the consultation. We gave it to God. And on that German neurologist, a little corner of his lip went up. And, and for him, that was probably a smile. And he said, I'm, I'm happy to tell you that you do not have MS. And a relief came. But you know what? We were relieved before. Because no matter what trouble comes, whatever we have to walk through, he walks through with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He's an ever-present help in a time of need. When trouble comes, the Spirit of God is already there. And He's helping us. Here you have times of trouble. But when we believe and trust God during even perilous times, we are filled with hope that transcends the situation of our current circumstances. For those who are facing their mortality, we have hope beyond the grave. My mother, when she found out that it was terminal, and uh, my younger sister, one of them, and a couple of them were begging her to fight, 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 and she said, why would I do that? I am 79 years old. I have early Alzheimer's. I'm going to go to heaven and be with my Lord. What am I afraid of? I'm not afraid to die. And she was so full of faith that uh, she knew that she had hope beyond the grave. One of the times when hospice was taking care of her and one of my nieces came in, she was sleeping in her hospice bed, a hospital bed, and my niece came in and was real quiet, and all of a sudden she started sobbing. My mom jerked awake and turned and said, Why are you crying? Don't cry for me. I'm going to go be with the Lord and tried to comfort her. You know, we are troubled by many things, but one of the things as a child of God we don't need to be troubled is that we have hope beyond this grave. We have a home in heaven prepared for us for those who love the Lord and for those who are facing a breakup of a marriage, and that is all too common in the culture that we live in, even in the church. It is a tragedy. It is a terrible thing. But can I tell you that there is hope in God who never leaves us, never forsakes forsakes us. He's the God who calms us and comforts us. He's a God who will never reject us. If you've been rejected, he will never reject you. 
For those who suffer loss of security, whether financial or otherwise, there is hope in the promises of God for provision and for help. For those who are lonely and insecure and and just feel terrible about themselves, have low self-worth, Jesus promises that he wants us to be with him and has a home prepared for us forever, that he wants us. Can you imagine that? That the God who never sinned wants us loves us. For those who have lived in want and poverty in this life, listen, there is a power of a promise of a heavenly mansion and streets of gold to walk on. What you missed out on this life, you're going to get back in the next life in a way that you can't even imagine in the wildest imagination that you have. So keep on believing when things get tough. Let's not lose heart or be troubled by things that come our way. You believe in God, believe also in me. And last thing I want to say, and I'm going to have the worship team come back as I finish, is we have a promise of victory beyond our struggles. We've already talked a little bit about that. We have hope beyond this grave. The scriptures tell us that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that take you there myself. You know, there's an old hymn that came to mind when I was putting this together. <clears throat> Many of us don't know this song, maybe I know the old-timers will like me, but it's an old hymn that we used to sing, usually on a Sunday night, sometimes on a Sunday morning, but some glad morning, when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. Oh, hallelujah. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. When the shadows of this life have flown, I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars have flown, I'll fly away. And just a few more weary days, and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. Are you going to fly away to be with the Lord one day? All of our trouble is temporary. Trials are only for a season. Injustice, persecution, betrayals, hurts will pass away like a scroll. When we are translated into his presence after this life is gone. Peter wrote that after this life we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and an eternity reserved in heaven for us, those of us who are saved. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, even though now for a little while, say a little while, He's talking about a season. It may seem like a long time. When I had a, listen, I had a root canal once. I don't recommend it at all. It wasn't that long, but it seemed like hours. I kept thinking while he's in there and pain, and I'm thinking, when are you going to get done? Would you please get done? What's taking you so? And he kept saying, it's just going to be a little while longer, a little while longer. It's like, you're lying to me. You lied. You said a little while longer. I mean, and it wasn't that long to him because he wasn't the one getting worked on. It was a long time for me. Peter says, in a little while. Okay, Peter, thank you for that. Uh, If necessary, he said, you have been distressed with various trials. So why? So why? So that the proof of your faith being much more precious than gold, which perishes through, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, We have hope beyond the grave. We have hope beyond our struggles. Even in this life, we have hope. We look at the reality of what is, but we look over it to the other side and see hope because God is the God of all hope. We have hope that we can pray for healing. God touched me and healed me. I'm thankful for that. Donna was delivered from the 
fate that we thought she was facing, but other times we're not. My mom died. But did she? I don't think she did. There, listen, her remains are in the grave, buried six feet under. I know where the grave is. I've been there. But when I look, look at the grave, I think she's not there. She's, she's in heaven with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And our troubles in this life, though sometimes they come in bunches, we're going to get through it. Troubles this church has faced over the years, you know, you don't hear about most of it. There's things that we have to navigate through and ask God to help us, and he helps us. But I can testify that he helps us through every single one, and he'll help you. Would you bow your heads in prayer, please? Father, we thank you for the promises, Lord, that are so true. Promises of God, which you said in your word were yes and amen. That Lord, you also said in your word that you are not a man that you can lie. And so God, even though sometimes it seems like, seems like that we're alone, it seems like sometimes, Lord, I, I remember calling out to you saying, God, where are you? Lord, where are you? And yet, God, I found out later you were there all the time. You never left. You never ignored you never closed your ears to my cry or your heart to me. And so, God, there's folks here watching online, but also in this place that, Lord, maybe you're facing trouble. Maybe they've been blindsided. Maybe they've been hurt. So, God, I pray right now that you would just shower down on them, Lord, the gift of your peace, not as the world gives, but only you give. A peace that will bring calm, soundness of mind, and hope beyond the situation and even beyond this life. So, God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.